0: Hi, beer friends! Welcome back to Brews with Broads. I'm your host, Hannah Keim. For the month of May, I wanted to celebrate and spotlight some fabulous moms in beer, and I am so thrilled to kick things off this week with Sarah Perez. Sarah is a brewer at Maui Brewing Company in Hawaii a co-founder of Lifting Lucy, an organization that supports black, indigenous, and other women of color with scholarships in pursuit of education and attendance at industry events, and a mother of five. Yes, you heard that right, five children. Sarah is truly one of the most open and lovely people I've gotten to interview. As you'll hear, She was so forthcoming with her journey from mom and medical professional to educator and beer enthusiast to beer professional and trailblazer. I barely even had to ask her a single question. With Sarah's passion for education and her drive to fortify the path forward for other women of color, it's no wonder she is out here making moves and making change. Our conversation definitely inspired me, and I think you'll feel the same way. Cheers. Cheers. Sarah Perez, welcome to Brews with Broads. Thank you. <laughs> and silence. No, 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 I'm kidding. Um, I'm so excited you're here. We've we've been in the DMs for like a little bit. So I'm glad that this is finally happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now we will try to make sure to vocally say something rather than just nod my head and smile. Oh my too, God. So.
0: No, please. <laughs> I often forget that this is an audio medium and I'm like gesturing and explaining things with my hands. No one can see that. No, well, it's okay. the listeners may already know or they will find out you're in Hawaii. You're is it what's the term on Maui or in Maui or both?
1: I I, I always end up saying on Maui that right, I'm on Maui. Yeah. And it's an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And it's oh amazing. God. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Yeah. So if you hear birds, you'll know.
0: <laughs> I That is so much better than my ambiance of like car alarms going off every five minutes. So I'll take your birds. Any day. And it's, I want to like tell the listener, it's what, seven, almost 7 10 in the morning where you are?
1: It is. It is. Yeah. The
0: bird, I heard it. Oh my God.
1: There's, yeah. I live off of a mountain. So there's a bunch of um, bamboo. There's like what I call the bamboo forest. And it really looks like a bamboo forest. And not only do you hear, like, the bamboo cracking against each other when the wind is blowing, but these birds just live in the trees and the brush and everything. There's chickens. There's these dove-style birds, like mourning doves. And then some other style of bird. It's small, but it makes a very, very large noise. And I must figure out what their names are so I can tell
0: people. I am it's interesting. Giddy. I don't, like, living in a city with no, with, like, a, just pigeons shitting on yeah. me. <laughs> literally one did last week. Um, this is okay. So any, wait, what is a, what is a, a birder? Any birders out there? Like hit us up. We, we need to know what these Maui birds are. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm very thirsty and you also brought something to drink. So let's talk about it before we dive okay. in.
1: Yeah. Um, so today and the fact that you know, it should have been like a, a nitro brewed coffee or anything like that, but I just did not have the gusto to go searching for one last night after work. Um, so Aloha made um, guava nectar and um, beer. These are made in the um, special ball um, cans that they make for the islands. So not only are they incredibly recyclable, but also they have like an imprint on that specifically says, you know, um, some renditions in regards to ball making these um, tempered um, aluminum cans, which is, you know, all the rage. And it has these little grooves at the very top. And it's very similar to the cans that we use at um, Maui Brewing Company. So that's what I brought this morning rather than um, diving into a beer. when I still have a bunch of things to do at <laughs> work later today.
0: That um, is yeah a fascinating can tidbit. Well, I have this Untitled Art Non-Alcoholic Ooh. Smores Dark Brew. Ooh. It was very in my cool. fridge. Nice. And it's from Oh no. Oh yes, Wisconsin. So, let's let's crack these puppies. Hey, okay, all right. All right. Let's go. Ready? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yay! Now that we're hydrated with guava and Smores non-alcoholic beer. I'm so excited to have you there. I've said that for the 1000th time. And of course, this is a podcast about beer, about women in beer, about anyone who identifies as a woman in beer. And we're going to get to that. But first, I want to know like your life story pre-beer. You had a whole other career before this all happened. So hit me with that bio, Sarah, Um, as much as you care to share, (laughs) you know. You sure, don't have to like yeah. give me your earliest childhood trauma
1: or anything. You want to. <laughs> oh no, we'll leave. I'm open to we'll it. We'll start off, we'll start off post-trauma-ish, okay. um, during, <laughs> uh, let's see, um, as many people know that I'm a mother, um, a mother of five. And I, I think that we kind of talked about, um, representing the mom, mother brewer out there. So I'm a mother of five. I did start really early when I was, um, actually my senior year in high school, oddly enough, um. I was on track to be a doctor and softball star and along came little Mr. Christopher Matthew and Christopher Matthew. And so um, he was born in 93 and just a blessing in disguise for sure. Um, and, um, you know, uh, creating a world uh, becoming a single mother in the nineties was just crazy enough as it was. And then just, Um, following your goals still, I guess, um, because I did want to be a doctor since I was a little girl, I wanted to be a doctor. And so um, creating pre-med courses and doing all the things, but realizing there's no way that I could go to USC or do any of the traveling or the expenses that I would, you know, incur um, during that time. At least I just didn't see, I didn't see that goal coming to fruition. Um, so at that time I ended up going to, um, um, some trade schools and I became a medical assistant. Um, I did during that time also get my associate's degree and it was, you know, trying time and all the fun stuff was being, you know, very young single mother, I had my sister and my father to help me along the way. Um, at that time, I was still communicating with my mother, so we still had that, and it was just a lot of family helping. You know, they say that it takes a tribe to create and, you know, grow your family and raise your children and things like that, and that was my tribe at the time. Um, my, my younger sister is two years younger than me, so she was still in high school, and she was learning how to babysit and do all the little <laughs> things with the little tyke, and while I'm trying to, you know, press through courses and do all the things, it was just, it was very interesting, and then years later, his sister came along, um... Um, that's Haley Lynn and she's the second oldest, obviously. Um, and then I vowed never to have a child after she <laughs> came into the world, <laughs> but, um, it was a long time ago. That was 96. So again, um, it, dating myself and aging myself, but it's okay. I don't mind. Um, lots of fun things. Um, I got married after that and, um, and just kind of settled into different roles, always being a mom, always being a wife, um, doing different things but also being a medical assistant and working really hard at doing that um learning as much as i possibly could and always feeling like i was the right hand to my doctor and i understood my um my practice and i understood what i needed to do and things of that nature i always worked in women's health as well um, because i understood that i always wanted to be um, a women's health doctor as well so it followed suit to the things that i wanted to always become and um you know just raising a family. And I lived in um, Santa Clarita, California at that time. And um, my kids played hockey and soccer. And, you know, we did all the, the parental things and the, you know, perfect little family house in the suburbs of Southern California. And it was wonderful um, for a long time. But I always knew that there was something, something missing, always something missing. Transition into several years later, um, I, uh, I did end up getting, having a divorce. And then I met another human that I ended up having children with, um, what I call my triplets. I was almost 11 years later, <laughs> decided to have another brood of, of little, <laughs> little humans. And, um, I ended up with twin boys at that time and it's, uh, Jordan and Matthew and, um, there uh <laughs> it was crazy, like just the knowing that you were pregnant with twins and working in the industry on top of it in the medical field, and having the doctors watching you and my doctors were part of the team that helped deliver them on top of it where I worked, and it was just it was wild, it was so, so wild and again, still living in in Southern California, um I grew up outside of Los Angeles county and um Sunland to um, the valley, and the, a lot of people call it. Um, it's really close to that whole area, of Burbank, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Yeah. So, a lot of people know where that kind of area is, and, and that's where I grew up. So, um, staying home in the hometown feel was great. And again, you know, having that tribe of humans that were around you to help raise your children. Um, soon after I had the twins, I was definitely, I was like, nope, never having, this is it. I can't even imagine that I had two more lives, that now we're responsible for, but they're twins. They're not identical. They're very unique. Um, actually one is black and one is white. So one, I, you know, externally, I should say one is black and one is white. Um, one has blonde hair and blue eyes and the other one is darker toned, um, melanin skin and bright brown eyes and just a gorgeous young human and I just I mean love both of them of course but it was crazy when they were born because people were like oh well how are you going to tell them right I was like well they're fraternal (laughs) we knew they were fraternal right yeah but turns out not only were they fraternal but they are completely different looking so it wasn't that hard to tell them apart which was wild and interesting to tell people because um being a black female and in a mixed relationship, which is something that I have always kind of been in, I never actually had a moment where um, <laughs> I kind of had to stop my in laws and, and, and other people, and other people would say, um, Oh my god, chocolate and vanilla, or Oh my god, salt and pepper, and you know, just little things that people would say, and you're just like, Uh, and or are you sure you didn't hook up with another guy at the same exact time? And I was like, "Um, literally, this is my husband. No. Get (laughs) out of here. But one of those moments, it was just like, wow, the things that people say, it's not out of the mouths of babes. It's out of the mouths of humans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like the first launch into where I realized, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I see myself as Sarah Perez. I see myself as I see myself in the mirror as a black female that, you know, um, I have a white parent and a black parent and I never thought anything of it or anything differently. Um, But, you know, raising children now that each of them drastically look different. And I will show you a picture at some point, Oh, please! but the twins are, they're completely themselves. And then the youngest one, Ashley, she came, um, nine months after the twins. Oh
0: my God, <laughs> so,
1: Sarah. <laughs> oh no, know. I'm so tired. I, I feel, I feel as if I, uh, I didn't even catch a breath. Um, they weren't no. even out of diapers. So we, we ended up calling them the triplets cause it was like yeah. having triplets and, um, wherever those twin boys went, Ashley, as soon as she could move, that child was on the run with them. Um, I remember I'll tell a quick story. Um, one day I woke up uh, and I, you know, I'm, I've always been like a planner. Everything's ready to go, laid out the night before ready, to get up and let's do this thing, you know, and, and working and all of this stuff and getting all of my little chickens in a row to go wow. out the door. Um, so I, I was like, all right, everyone's still asleep. I'm going to quickly get a shower. Ashley was in her bath No big deal. She's sleeping. Um, I'm like, all right, go get that shower girl. Doing in the shower, I get out, as soon as I'm drying off, I hear the twins baby want baby wants," and I was like oh Jesus, what is happening? <laughs> you know, running out of the shower, getting out of the bathroom door, turn around the corner into the bedroom where she's in her bassinet, and they're both inside the bassinet <laughs> um, they're feeding her, one is feeding her a bottle, and the other one is smearing her with Vaseline <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, the and all you can do is just laugh, and yeah. and I was just like, okay, well, thank you, boys, and yeah, we help, we help, yeah, you know, and all the things. So, yeah, there was lots of. There's been so many stories between what I diagnosed as the triplets, and um, just it was, it was. I don't know how any of us survived them, but um, fast forward several years, um, my eldest Christopher is 28. My second eldest, Ash, Haley, is 26. She's married, and she just had a baby, so I'm a ya Oh,
0: my gosh. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, thank you.
1: Yes. Coda is Coda Gilbert. He is... Um, Eight months old now, and he's amazing. He's so stinking adorable, and he knows my voice, so it's really neat. Oh. We FaceTime a lot, and he smiles at me. And you know, I'm waiting for him to start saying, Yeah, yeah, he says, Dada and mama, and things of that nature. So I'm like, Come on, buddy, you can do Almost this. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then the next are the twins, they're 17 going on 18 in December, and wow. they're, um, they're crazy, yeah, they're so tall. They're both six, one and 6'2 and play basketball and they're smart and they're charismatic and they have their own personalities and their own sets of friends. And they've never done the same thing other than just um, they know when one another needs each other and they do still have that twin connection. And then Ashley, the youngest, is still the the. the, the terror of the group. Like she runs (laughs) and controls them all. She is in charge. She is, she's the fifth child. Um, she's going to be 16 in October. She plays volleyball. They all play a lot of sports. She plays on three different squads. She's amazing spiker. She's got her head on her shoulders. She's going to, she wants to become, a, um, a civil defense lawyer and a, um, a CIA agent, and she just knows what she wants to do and all of her things. She's a straight-A student. She's so direct and so precise, but full with emotion in life and um, wants to make sure everybody's uh, everybody's happy and good to go. So it's it's very interesting watching them to grow in this day and age in this world and um, always being the big mama bear, but knowing that uh, they're doing very well. Yeah. So
0: Wow. Thank That's you. That.
1: You're welcome. Sorry. Thank you for
0: sharing. Do not Look at don't that sixteen minutes. apologize to me. <laughs> well, no, you are doing my job for me because of course, as you said, I am it's really important to me to feature moms in our industry. And I wanted to do that for May because I I'm sure you can speak to this more than I can. As a mm-hmm. I've I've deemed myself an aspiring mom. Um like I doubt people ask you, like, oh, you know, it's already, uh, I hate to say it this way, but not a barrier to be a woman in this industry, but people already like, there are strikes against you. Like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. But then to also have kids to take care of. And I know your kids are obviously older now, but like doctor's appointments to go to and school plays or whatever. Like, do you, especially in your early days, like, did you get asked about your kids a lot or did people just kind of like brush that aside?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, all the time people are always asking like, what the, oh, yeah. wait, are these are all yours. Yeah, do, you, you <laughs> created all of these. And I was like, well, you know, genetics is a funny little thing. And um, you know, uh, yeah. So people are always, <laughs> they're always very inquisitive and, 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 and interested about um, what it's like, like, how do you do it all? I, I don't know. Their father definitely helped. Um, their stepmoms help the the tribe that I speak of help, um, aunties and and everybody else and best friends, you know, people I've always kind of lived in our little hometown and outskirts. So now that my children, my older children are older, they, you know, they're able to enlist in some of their, um, you know, like, Hey, can you help me this day? I'm, I'm over here. And, you know, um, my oldest son and his long-term girlfriend, Madison, they moved from California to Las Vegas, um actually during the pandemic or at the beginning of the pandemic too, could, to be around the um, the teenagers, the triplets, oh, wow. um, because they wanted to make sure that, you know, because they're like, we're starting our next section of life and we want to make sure that they are around us and we want to be around them as well. My oldest daughter, Haley, she tried as well, but it was too hot for her there and uh, <laughs> pregnancy issues and things like that. So she moved back to Southern California and um, is in Santa Clarita Valley still and, and hanging out with where her in-laws are and her dad. And so that's her comfort area and that's, that's great for them. But, um, yeah, uh, kids are, kids are interesting and it's an interesting way to like direct your career because Mm -hmm. I worked in the medical field. So I was always up really early. It's home early. Um, you know, I, I didn't work that far from home when they were younger as well. We had grandmas and grandma grandpas and everybody kind of helping. They did do you know preschool and stuff and, but like er, you know how everyone is like early childhood education nine months they've got to be you know all these extra things. Yeah, we read to them. We did all the things ABCs, you know the television, all the stuff. So many, so many devices. So many, you know probably thousands and thousands of dollars spent on um, learning um, aspects and everything. I I still feel today that even though all the books I could put in front of a child, if I can't give them um, the knowledge of the real world and how things are going to happen and the pain and some of the sorrows that we're also going to go through, then I'm not preparing my children for battle. (laughs) And that's kind of how I feel like the world is sometimes is it's a battlefield that you got to get out onto. And I've created my own little tribe of warriors that are hopefully capable of um, dealing with uh, things and and uh, mindfully understanding how life can be challenging and, and absurdly different. And, you know, you're not always going to get everything you wanted. It doesn't matter how hard you work for it. It might not always turn out that way. Um, But if you are persevering, and you're, you're very absolute about your direction that you're going in, you probably will make it, it'll, it might take a little bit of time, but don't give up.
0: Oh That's my right. God. I, I mean, I, we're here talking trying to talk about beer and you're over here like fourth career, right? Writing of me a parenting book, which like yeah. sounds like we also desperately need from your perspective. Yeah.
1: I'm not a helicopter parent either. So yeah. um uh, clearly I live on Maui and my children all live in Las Vegas. Um that was a feat in itself just kind of coming to that conclusion. Um Cause you know, I lived in Alaska and, mm-hmm. and I moved here and you know, it was, um, it was, a, it's an easy place to live. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they also are at the age where, you know, the boys are juniors going to be seniors. Um, Ashley's a freshman. She's just getting acclimated into high school life and understanding. And as we all know, high school, sucked. Oh, god uh, you can make it enough as money to do it again. Yeah. You know, you can you can tell everyone in your 20 year high school reunion, oh, it was fantastic, it was great. Right. The I best love years of our lives. Oh, it It's so amazing. Yes. And, you know, I just tried to remind them of okay, um, you see how I am as your mother. I um I'm outgoing. I always have been since I was very little. I love humans, I love being around people, I love socializing, but I'm also a super introvert as well. <laughs> I'm that extrovert introvert I don't Mm -hmm. know how to explain that one but it's interesting Um, I'm the person that um, wants to make sure like all the groups get together and everybody is friends with everyone and everybody sees each other just as humans and as beautiful as they are and it doesn't matter anything else about them like that's how I've always been So I've always had large groups of friends. very, very different groups of friends. Um, I, I do, did have a core set of friends. I dated one human all through high school and into college and everyone assumed that we would marry and live happily ever after. His best friend was dating one of my best friends and we were all supposed to raise our children and son went to hunger and that was just supposed to be it. And, um, wasn't the case though. So. But the other two best friends, they're still married. They're still very Damn. much married. And it's crazy because I go home all the time and I see them and they're like, remember when? And I was like, you guys, we're 47. It's not <laughs> happening.
0: <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so wow.
1: um, I I do. I, I end up um, I finding an eclectic group of humans and so many things in so many areas of the world. And so that's kind of where I think craft beer became something that I felt very comfortable with because, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, you walk into craft bars or bottle shops and stuff and you, you have the typical scenario. We all know, Uh, we won't even go there, but I, I end up bypassing, um, that human and trying to find the others that you're, you, you do see, they're there, you just aren't used to it. And you have to, you have to know where to look, and you have to know where to find them. And, and those are the people that I'll gravitate towards. If I see them in line, you know, I'll see what they're buying, or, you know, and I'll strike up a conversation, I'll strike up a conversation anywhere. If I'm standing at the grocery store in -hmm. front of the beer coolers, you know, I'll strike up the conversation and, you know, look to see what they're getting. And, and and talk about it, talk about the beer and talk about, you know, why you're making that purchase and <laughs> things like oh, yeah. that. So, um, my kids are like, mom, you're like that old lady in the grocery store. And I was like, you're right, but I'm at a bottle shop. So it's better.
0: <laughs> it's cooler. It's different. You understand? No, I do cooler. the exact same thing. I'm always yeah. like, oh, you know, if you like that, you actually might like this other thing. And it's really, and then people are like, who is this woman? Please leave me alone. <laughs> yes. But no, you're right. Like despite the humans that maybe we all think of that are at a bar at the bar of a brewery or whatever that like are going to make comments that we don't want to hear. Once you push past that, you will find your people. And it sounds like you have. So I guess beer started as more of a hobby for you when you were still in the medical field.
1: It did start as a hobby. Yeah. Um, So Fast forward from um, Los Angeles County days and living in Santa Clarita and the family and everything like that. We ended up moving our family um, when the twins were tiny and Ashley was still in, in utero. Um, we moved to Las Vegas. Um, my ex-husband was a um, general manager for Trader Joe's. Not that I'm giving them a shout out, but I do love some Trader Joe's oh, and I miss it so much.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, we moved there and, you know, again... Had another you know tribe of humans that were there, his side of the family, and it was great. So um, it was fantastic also because it was still driving distance for my other kids. So my mom would drive them over, and you know, four hour drive from California to Las Vegas is you know you could do it in three and a half hours if you try real hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we lived there. We raised the rest, of the raised the children there. And um, during my time in Las Vegas, um, life happened again force happened um, and <laughs> ensues sarah's third marriage yay sarah <laughs> Woo! no I've got no the one's cheering for me <laughs> yes yes yeah it really doesn't happen that way it's quite embarrassing sometimes but um it, it's uh that goes to the part where we weren't going to talk about the trauma and everything else so <laughs> yeah um you that's know. when
0: we hang up i'm <laughs> literally right after this so you can like my god, thank uh, you. <laughs>
1: So um, yeah, so husband three is uh, active duty Air Force. Um, I met while I was working at Nellis Air Force Base um, in the medical field, and it was it was fantastic. We um, we have a great relationship. We still have a great relationship. Um, he's definitely a, you know a human that I connected with throughout through several different things. More so, it was kind of when I was starting to. I mostly drank Newcastle Brown Ale. That was my gateway beer, um, and um, so I was trying to try new things. So I was like, "Oh, I'm going to drink a half of you know, and this is going to be great." And you know, the the Moon Half of that everybody drinks. And then I was like, "Oh, Estella, I I love." You know, oh, look at that knife pairing. And, and back then when um, <laughs> the reps would come around to all the bars in Vegas and had the the pouring mechanism and the knife and the two fingers and that, you know, it was all this extra stuff. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. So as those were kind of coming around. Um, I also love tequila. I have a palate for tequila and finding the bouquet and tequila. So Oscar's from... Um, Mexico. So we, we love tequila tastings and um, mezcal tastings and things of that nature. So we actually, you know, had all these symbiotic things in life. So, um, but he deployed and I became very bored and I didn't have my partner in crime. So I went to Lee's Liquor Store and found um, one of the beer purchasers, one of, um, a great beer nerd person and uh, introduced me to the craft industry and showed me all these different bottled bevies. And, um, and I just would go down the rows and the clinking carts and the clinking bottles. And I would find um, like six packs of the 22 ounce bombers because they had like these really cool ones and you could just, you know, get them together. And it would last me, you know, a couple weeks or, or one weekend. (laughs) How sad, how sad you are that day. (laughs) That's right. Um, So I just, and then I would, I realized that one beer tasted drastically different than the other beer and, and IPAs at that time I did not like, and I didn't, cause I didn't understand them. And so I was trying varieties of different styles of beers and different walks of life, everything. And, um, I was like, well, there's gotta be an app out here. I mean, today's day and age. And that was let's the, um, uh, 2000 and something, <laughs> um, Somewhere where the, yeah. So, um, it was definitely when, uh, untapped became an app. So it was in their beta days. And so downloaded that, um, downloaded that just because I was looking for like more references and understanding, like there's all these beers. I can't remember them all. How am I going to track what I've had and how will I understand what they are? So untapped in the early formative days was definitely amazing. It was actually a cool way for me to meet a lot of beer industry people. Um, and I did meet a lot of beer industry people through untapped especially living in Las Vegas. Um, I met my group of, um, beer nerds, my share bears that we all would hang out together in Vegas and do all kinds of really, you know, fun things, um, bottle shares and dinners and pairings and Randall Sundays. And, you know, at Tenea Creek back when it was, across the street from the hospital from Mountain View. And it was just, it was amazing. Um, It was a lot of fantastic Sundays just spent talking about beer and dissecting beer and understanding beer and um, going to releases as many as we possibly could. Goose Island, when they would first launch, you know, we would all, we were all standing in line and we would call, okay, which ones did you get? Okay, which ones did you get? And we were kind of also reason why the brewery probably created the hoarder society. It was because of <laughs> <laughs> this large group of, of beer nerds in Las Vegas that were literally hoarders. And um, I was ashamed at some points in my life where the bottles that I had in the cellar, and I, I remember helping one of my buddies, Mike Gaddy, move from apartment to apartment. And it wasn't moving clothes and things of that nature. It was boxes and boxes of beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, but you know uh, it was also a, a learning experience and it was learning um, camaraderie. Um, we, it was never like, Oh, you're, you're better. You bought a better, they would than me. And so we don't like you anymore, this and that, and all these other things. It was always just like hanging out with your best friend. You could cry, you could hug, you could, you know, whatever you needed, you could be mad that day. It didn't matter. You could bring, you bring shitty beers, you could bring natter days, you know, and it yeah. would be okay <laughs> if it was right. your off day or you just buy around from the brewery for everyone and, and, and hang out. Yeah. And Matt and um, everyone that would always like work at the breweries and stuff, they knew, you know, if this was a Sunday, they're going to bring in extra beers for us. They, we always brought the bartenders beers. We always had that. We had, um, so many amazing friends, so many things, but that ensued learning how that we, us women in our group, no longer wanted to hang out with the guys. So um, we started looking into some active women um, societies. Um, Sarah Johnson actually was part of Las Vegas life back then. She, um, she's definitely a woman in the forefront of the beer industry from the 2000s. And she was the manager for um, Mandalay Bay and Four Seasons and things of that nature, beer purchaser, food and, and beverage purchaser, which she really, if you look back into archives of life, Sarah Johnson, when she was in Las Vegas, definitely set the tone on getting craft beer into the casinos and into the new lights and in, um, in the walks of life that everyone was having, rather than it always just being that Coors Light and the MGD and everything else, those macros being served to you, you're getting the Lagunistas and you're getting, I still can't say that name, um, you're, you're getting um, other breweries that started bottling and canning and having their beers, craft beers available on the strip and available to casinos at, mm-hmm. as their, their beer. So, and people were wanting that. She would do beer pairing dinners and things like that. So she was a part of our um, Barley's Angels initiative when we first started and hanging out with her was, it was huge. It was a lot of fun. It was very, it was cool to have someone who I looked up to in that realm with the respect and and, in awe, the shock and all that, you know, females in this industry that we have. Um, And it was cool. It was very cool. But um, so Barley's Angels grew from that. We then started doing different initiatives, similar, you know, like I've said in the past, I don't know if you knew of Barley's Angels, uh, but it's an offshoot from Pink Boots, and for the non-craft industry person, um, it was cool because I... It was really the first time that I ever saw other Black females drinking beer as well. Um, that was something that was always missing for me. Um, Ashley Randolph, she's actually one of our my co-founders with Lifting Lucy. That's where her and I met, along with a a small package of other um, humans that were just a part of our Barley's Angels group, and we, you know, promoted and had a good time, and you know. We're always at the beer pairings and the social things and the events and stuff, and and then we started getting to brew beers at other breweries around town because everybody loved it. That you know we were bringing a whole other, um, a whole nother section to their breweries and their life and stuff, and so it was really neat to kind of see everyone grow from there and and become friends for life, really. Because these industry humans that I met in Vegas, they're they're here along with me with this journey and everything that I do. It wouldn't. It would, I would never have had become such a obsessed lover of IPAs if Mike Gaddy and Roland didn't teach me how to control my palate and what to do and how to mm-hmm. you know manipulate it and get to it. And after a while, I was like the palate wrecker person, and you know, give me that green flash palate wrecker 200 ideas. <laughs> and- <laughs> I regretted it the next day, every time, but it was okay. Sure, in the moment. In the <laughs> absolutely. Moment absolutely. Yeah. I did find out from them as well that I um, I have an allergy to pediococcus, and so I have to be very careful um, if I drink any sours or Britannomyces beers that have been hanging out. Um, so, uh, Blanza Day for me is a limited Ooh. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I could only enjoy so many. Um of Cantileon and, or what my friends in Alaska call Cantilian. <laughs> I don't. It's, it's all fun. This, it's fun. It's, it's all the yes, same. Right. It's all beer it's, names for sure. Whatever it is. <laughs>
0: you got to be careful oh my gosh yeah, that's... I have to be careful
1: yeah it's a- and it's um, anaphylaxis so um, on top <gasps> of it so when we would go to certain um, beer events I would carry Benadryl with me wherever I went um, oh my God. yeah so it became really bad so yeah no no pediococcus for oh Sarah Perez Can't well do we're it, learning
0: today we're learning about yeah, yeah. the best <laughs> implementation of Benadryl for anaphylaxis <laughs> and so cute. when you were while you were in Vegas with this uh, like amazing community you're describing that you sounds like built for yourself basically, or was built together by the people in it. Were you still working in the medical field or had you? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I
1: was. Um, So in Vegas, you do the, when you live in Vegas, you do a hustle. You become a hustler. Um, I was a mom hustler. So I was always hustling and getting the kids around town from one side of town to the other side of town. And um, I don't know how I had my time divided amongst them. I was still a wife at that time. So I was trying to figure out how to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was on the board. I was the founding member and a board oh. person for, um, Barley's Angels. I worked at Aces and Ales craft beer bar at the time, um, as well. So I would hustle. Um, and, um, during that time was when I was like transitioning out of working in the industry and going into teaching in the industry, so there's a college in a lot in a, in Las Vegas and um, so nursing school and medical assisting and terminology and all the different things. So I was actually going to have a little bit more time to myself because classes were early. I would get out early, grading papers, things of that nature. Um, but you know, I was bored, so I was deciding to go back to college myself to finish my my bachelor's in science. <laughs> and,
0: um, Did you just say you were I, bored. Yeah, I with was all bored.
1: those things you just described to I, me, I had like a two-hour window in my day, Ugh, and I felt I
0: had forty-five the need minutes. <laughs> to, I got bored
1: to make sure I added oh something more because I realized that I needed more education, and also at that time I was studying for the what in the beginning stages were the Cicerone program of of then, um, Mm. and, um, and then Barley's Angels and everything else and the kids and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, so, um, I don't think I slept a lot. I honestly don't, I don't remember sleeping a lot. Um, so it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of running around, a lot of doing that. And then I would say, let's say 2013 Oscar got, got orders to Korea. So he had to leave and go to Korea for a year. During that year, um, we knew that the orders when he got back would be someplace else. We just didn't know where. And so, you know, I wasn't preparing myself for leaving. I wasn't preparing myself for anything. I was like, oh, it's just going to, they're going to tack us back on in Vegas. It'll be fine. That's what happens all the time, especially his unit, what he did and what he does. It'll be fine. We're not leaving Vegas. There's no way. This is life. Uh, he, yeah, he got home within a couple, we, we realized what the orders were and it was to Alaska. And, um, so I had to make a quick, steady decision on, um, how that was going to happen. So again, mother, wife,
0: hmm.
1: beer nerd, all the things, uh, what was I going to do? I loved my jobs. I loved the hustle. I didn't know what Alaska was going to give to me. Um, all I saw at that time was life below zero, and you know the the Bush family and the, um, Sarah Palin, and all oh, these God. you know story shows that you were watching to uh, Bear grills and how to survive uh. the Alaska <laughs> wilderness, and all these little things. And uh, you know the we were the kids and I we were all talking about it, and you know kind of getting there. And it was just one of those things where, coming from a divorced family and being the mother that I am. I didn't have feel like I had the right to make their choice for them, so we had to make the choice together and talk about it. And so that's what I did a lot of talking. And some people are like, "No, you just make your kids go, and that's just it, and you fight and you do this." And I'm just not that person. I don't. Um, I want everyone to enjoy their voice and enjoy their life because I am living a life that is supposed to be of me and for me, and they are living their life that is of them and for them. Yes, they're children. Yes, they're small, and yes, they're units that aren't one hundred percent there. But they also have a say, and they have a voice, and they need to learn that voice. Otherwise, they'll never know the voice. They'll never trust their instincts. They'll never know what it feels like to make those calls. So I wanted to give them the chance to do that. So they ended up staying in Las Vegas with their dad and stepmom, which you know grew as time went on. I did live in Alaska for seven years, so it was a long time. Um, Jordan, one of the twins, he actually decided, um, later on that he wanted to come and live with us in Alaska. And so he did, they actually lived there pretty much the entire seven years that I lived in Alaska with me away from his twin, away from his other siblings, which was different and, um, life learning for him, for sure. Um, and, you know, back and forth, modern family, we have FaceTime, we have all of these, um, great things. There's direct flights during the summer. It's a five hour flight. No big deal, you know? You're living in two majestically beautiful worlds. Um, You know, Vegas isn't just a concrete jungle filled with casinos and gambling and everything else. There's a whole area of Vegas that is absolutely majestic and beautiful and humans that are a part of it as well. And Alaska obviously is beautiful. It's, it's, It's an amazing space that people can be around and learn a lot of different things. So the kids loved it we did, we just make this work. Um, Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not always easy. Sometimes you don't always get to have the say and always do the things and you have to be the adult and you will be the adult. And I did, and I am the adult. So, you know, it's fine. They're amazing. Children are also resilient. You know, they will bounce back. You just have to teach them the skills to be able to bounce back Mm -hmm. as we all know. (laughs) Um, And so Alaska, yeah, that was like the next seven years, and lots of beer, lots more learning for me, um, deep, deep diving into more of the Cicerone program and sensory training, um, you know, I plotted around to different breweries inside Alaska, um, I got to know a lot of the owners and the humans that worked in their breweries, and um got to understand like their styles of beer and, you know, the challenges that arise for industrial things like shipping and shipping costs and, you know, getting your hops and getting your grain and, you know, um, becoming partners in a land where you're really disconnected from the rest of the world. You know, during the winter months, um, the barges usually can't come up through the waterways. So um, a lot of the times Sometimes you can get them on the cargo planes, you can get your stuff, but you can't get 6,000 pounds of grain on a cargo plane. That's not how it works. It has to come on a barge or it has to go on a truck. And if you have a silo and you're doing a silo run, you know, and a grain filling up those ginormous silos that are outside in some of the breweries in the lower 48, then that's, that's one way of, you know, getting it, but that truck has to come up through Canada and back and around through the Yukon and then come down through the trenches of Alaska's upper area and the ice roads and everything else. So all of that is very real. Um, you know, um getting hops overnight. Nothing's overnight in Alaska. <laughs> there's no right. there's no next day anything. No, not off. like
0: no Amazon Prime <laughs> next day. Like, no,
1: that's not real. Don't hops. even bother. <laughs>
0: oh my god! Wow. Yeah.
1: So um, you know, you're if you wanna open an own a brewery in Alaska, that's a feat in itself, let alone getting around all of their um, rules and regulations for alcohol and things of that nature because of the unfortunate clauses that live, that are Alaska as well. So lots of really amazing breweries and amazing spaces and things that, you know, need time to grow for sure. Still, they're still developing. They're still getting there. When I was leaving, I think we were, they were up to 51, maybe 52 breweries at the time um, in the whole state, which is the largest state in the United States. Um, but it's also not all inhabited by humans either. So, um, but breweries are very cool there. You know, they're very, um, community oriented, very neighborly, like, um, during the pandemic, you know, people were running out of grain and things of that nature, or didn't have cans or crawlers, you know, you could rely on the bigger guys to uh, kind of help you out a little bit and, you know, assist you in different ways and, and give you some insight. Um, I worked for Anchorage Brewing Company, I worked for Odd Man Rush, I worked for Bleeding Heart and Denali Brewing Company. Um, All of those places had their own um, pivotal relationships in my life and my career. Some took a lot out of me and took a lot from what I thought was the plan and changed um, my world and COVID changed all of our worlds. So during that time frame, you know, I I will say, you know, it was kind of the awakening of Sarah Perez was two years ago when I just realized that I'm not going to Uh, be bullied and pushed around and made to feel smaller or being pushed down. I didn't want that to happen anymore to me. And I didn't want to let my children see that happen anymore. So I don't know what I did. I did a drawstring thing and stood up and stood real tall and, um, just enveloped something inside of me that was apparently asleep. (laughs) I don't know. So, um, Moving forward with that, um, Ashley and I were talking during the pandemic, obviously, and um, we got invited to well, she had started looking into some of the information on CBC that year and trying to get into some of the different spaces where our faces, our our black and brown faces weren't really being seen. and I think during Covid was really a time frame for all of us where i I was online, everybody was, but I also started following new people and new areas of the craft beer industry that I had no idea were even there. I did, uh, I re-upped my Cicerone through black and crafted, no beer culture. I forget one (laughs) of the two, someone had uh, a whole panel of humans. The Cicerone program was going around and doing that. And so they had like a three day thing where we were all online together and I had never, I'd not seen that many amazing, beautiful faces, of non-white color <laughs> ever and i i just kept my screen on like no picture like not live or anything cuz i was i i i knew all these people i knew who they were i've seen them i follow them but i knew you know no one knew who i was you know there's no way that anybody really knew who anything so it was it was just one of those moments where i was like wow this is moving this is life changing this is mm-hmm. this is going to change how things are going to get done and then I just actively kept seeing more and more and more. And when Ashley and I were getting ready to go to CBC, um, you know, money was tight. Um, so we, we kind of all, her and I and Tarnese, we had connected over that time frame to get ready to go to CBC 2021. And, um, I was at, um, in transition from leaving Bleeding Heart and going to Denali Brewing Company and, um, we were, you know, CBC was already on the docket. We were already ready. We were going and we're the, the channel that we we're speaking in regards to was, you know, how to how to make sure your brewery has the same, you know, other faces, how to implement this or how to how to get this going. And and so um lifting Lucy kind of rose up from there. T-shirts were made and sales were done and talks were had and you know, we really created and connected with a whole nother avenue in the craft industry that, you know is solely around beer but is growing um, immensely throughout some of the other challenges and things and spaces that um, are prevalently there I know they're there I guess at this point we're at a point where we don't want to we don't want to have to try and find you anymore we should just see you mm. um, and we should just be seen and we should be it should be a normal scene it shouldn't be something that is a shock and awe and um, so after CBC, we made a pact to keep this going and keep Lifting Lucy alive and um, created more more avenues for it and more more spaces to get to and more humans to touch and get it through it. And, um, and that's what we're doing right now. So fast forward from leaving Alaska, um, I made a decision in December last year um, after witnessing and seeing and kind of being a part of situations that I was no longer willing to have happen. Mm -hmm. I was no longer going to um, be paid less than what I deserve. I was no longer going to um, be spoken to in a way that was of lesser. And I have been in this industry for a while. I mean, it's now it's fast forwarding almost 15 years. I've been here. I've been a part of the craft movement, a part of the craft world. And I'm not, I, I didn't waver then and I'm not wavering now instead I'm going to be stronger and I'm going to last a lot longer <laughs> that's a weird quote
0: <laughs> Oh, no, I that's I mean that's the
1: quote <laughs> I made a decision I put my resume together I went to Siebel you know I and, and in between all that time you know the two years yeah um I I got a scholarship with um Eugenia and Black Beard Chick and I got you know a Cicerone help to do my testing and to do that portion I um, put out resumes and information and pink boot society gave me a chapter in Alaska. And I, you know, all of these things in that two year time period of the awakening of Sarah Perez, those things were happening. Um, Right. You know, getting on board with my beer sensory programming and my education and educating others. And what has always been my plight is to make sure that I'm not plight that's bad, um, (laughs) direction, (laughs)
0: um,
1: to get people, um, orientated into all of this. And and so that was really important for me to make sure that other females had understood that there's a path that I'm creating and that I'm going to fortify the pathway with as much construction and ability to make sure that they have the bill. They can just find it. They'll know, they'll know where it's at. It's like, it's like my, my version of the green book. Um, and and making sure that they know the safe spaces and the safe places. And, and even if it's not safe, and it's not okay, we're going to create it to become safe. And being in this initiative and being in this position of finding Sarah Perez was really, um, for me, the most selfish thing that I feel like I've ever done in that way. But I know that I'm And, you know, and pursuing this and doing this for others, it wasn't Mm. just a selfish act. It's because I want to make sure others know that they're worth it. And they're worth the time and effort. And I'm going to put in the time and effort to make sure that it is something is started and something is created and something is going to grow from this. And we're not just going to leave it behind. And our rights and our movements aren't just going to be left behind. It's going to be something that goes further you know creating a black is beautiful during that two-year time period the only person the only brewery in alaska that did it and and that was huge to me and huge Mm. to others that were around me but it was still something that nobody else in alaska wanted to touch and that was so concerning to me and more things became concerning and more things became concerning and and so Like I said, in December of last year is when I decided that I wasn't going to be a part of Alaska anymore and that I, I didn't have what it took right now in my life to stay one in the darkness during the very, very dark times, soul sucking. And, but I also, I didn't have the warriors behind me or with Mm -hmm. me at that time to push through and stay. Sure. You get pats on the back. Sure oh yeah, we're there for you. But when you go to call them out and you go to ask and you, you're you there, I couldn't be the only person doing the work. I, I, I will do the work. Don't Don't get me wrong. I have and I will and I will continue. I will show you how also. I will create something so that you can understand how to also help me do the work. But I couldn't at that time continue to just be the only one doing the work. And that's how it felt. So it was it was time. It was time for me to leave. So I put my resume out to the world and it came back with so many responses, so many positive responses. And, and I never, once I did take the offer and I had to tell the others that the offer, the other offers that were coming in, I'm sorry. I went with Kim and Garrett and Maui Brewing Company. They were just like, are you serious? We we're not, you're not going to change. We can't change your mind. How uh-huh. can you change your mind? It was just like, uh it's maui
0: it's <laughs> sorry like, have you heard of hawaii <laughs>
1: yeah and i was like and you do know who kim is right like i'm to me i was like when i got her phone call i i took everything in me to not cry um afterwards i cried um i jumped up and down i screamed i scared my dog <laughs> <laughs> um and i realized that i was headed huh, Sorry if I get emotional. Um, no. To, <sighs> I was headed to the next destiny for me, in the next mm-hmm. destination, and not only was I going to continue to find Sarah Perez, but I'm gonna I'm gonna create more. Um, yeah. So,
0: <laughs> Sarah,
1: your your time. I...
0: <laughs> Say oh something. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, you've I there. I like had all these thoughts, and I was like, I'm not gonna interrupt her because she is just saying brilliant thing after brilliant thing and like sorry I'm babbler. Wanna, oh my god never apologize to me i want to like clear that what you said about you know you couldn't do it anymore you couldn't be on your own like of course not you have spoken so much during this conversation about the importance of comu- in varying ways like the importance of community the tribe you need whether it's to help raise your children or to pursue your goals in life the people behind lifting lucy and the goals behind that organization, like yeah, you can be a trailblazer. And I love what you said about fortifying the path. Like it's not just about the away. You're just giving me like buzz (laughs) phrase after phrase. Like the awakening of Sarah Perez isn't just about you as it's fortifying the path. Like you said, making the space for other people. And like, I just want to acknowledge, like you shouldn't have to do it alone. And I think it's incredibly admirable that like the space you made in alaska you know like starting the first pink boots chapter there and while you were there you touched on it but like i want you to i want to brag on i want you to brag on you about you know like all of the education you pursued and the siebel course and like you said like the cicerone scholarships through eugenia and everything like you did a lot and it's not i admire you knowing when to say when
1: yeah. And I, I, when, yeah, when to, when to pull away from that, that mm-hmm. whole area and that's, that was what needed to happen for Alaska. And yeah. you know, it, it, it's hard. It's um, t- today is 60 days in one day for me being on wow. islands. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think long. about it. Oh my gosh I, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and so much, like I've learned so much. Maui Brewing Company is just like an open arms. These people aloha you. And when you hear the word aloha, everyone's like, Oh, hi and goodbye. No, it means love. They give, they get, they've already given me like unconditional love. Uh, Every day I walk into the brewery and I feel this way. I feel the love. I feel the power behind each of their lives and, and what they give um, Mm -hmm. and how much passion they have for not only the islands and the storytelling and the atmosphere, but for generations to come and generations prior to, I mean, this place has been here and you know, there's islands that are surrounding it that are uninhabited, that are you know so picturesque and beautiful. But um, it's because of the people constantly working at it. Okay. It's because okay. of their community and their sense of um, of family um, to constantly be doing it and pushing forward. No matter how hard it is, no matter how hot it is, no matter how tired they are, they keep going, and they they push forward even further because they don't of course there's some, um you know like pulling and tugging um through different things on an island and and when you know you have and people that have lived here from the beginning and then you have conquerors that come over and mm-hmm. want to take that from you those mm-hmm. are things that you know are 100% going on on this this space and and I'm learning every day about those types of things and hopefully be able to assist in different ways with lifting lucy and and just understanding things that maybe have never been present here before Mm -hmm. and working with Garrett and with Kim and learning so much. I mean, taking all of my learnings from the last two years through Siebel and through the courses and and books and books and books and books and applying each and every day, all of these things that I have in my head, this knowledge that I wasn't able to utilize in Alaska, I am now able to utilize here. I do it every day. I run on a, you know, a huge system that is, pneumatic pressures and, and pressure gates and sensors. And I'm, I'm doing things that I only dreamt of, you know, and brewing in a style and in a way, yes, it's production, but we also have small batch items and we have, you know, smaller fermenters and we get to sit down in groups and we talk about R&D and we talk about why we want to use this particular grain and we want to bring in, um, rice from this particular family and why we want to use coconut specifically shaved and grown and, and brought in from Hawaii and why we want to use real mangoes on island. And, you know, there's no more sugarcane fields here on the islands anymore, but we're producing rows and rows and rows and rows of other fortifying fruits and vegetables that are going to bring agriculture and new life and new meaning to the island. So that the continuation of the cycle can continue to grow, and as people are using and understanding the need for solar power, because this island has no natural gas. Sure, there's a volcano at the top of the hill over here, but it's behind her. It is. It is. It is behind me. Oh my god! Yeah, it's been dormant apparently for like three thousand years. But hey, you know,
0: fingers crossed. That's
1: right. (laughs) (laughs) Girls got to blow, and girls going to blow. Um. So there's no natural gas. So um, all of our our breweries ran off of electricity and steam boilers. Um, We have, um, I I have like all this new knowledge and understanding of, you know, reclaiming your water and reclaiming your properties and reclaiming the sun. It is so sunny here. It's in the evening hours. It's like 65 to 70 every single day. And in the daytime, it gets up to 100 where I live. Because I'm on a different part of the island and this isn't, you know, there's climate zones and all the things that are going on um, environmentally, but also everyone is utilizing solar panels and um, our brewery on top of our brewery, Garrett has created a path to make sure that we're leaving less of a footprint. So when he expanded uh, the Kihei plant, um, which is where we brew all the beers for all of Maui Brewing Company at our facility. He made sure that the entire brewery is lined, the rooftops and everything are lined in the parking lots and the parking covers and everything are lined with um, solar panels so that we could collect that energy into the really giant um, Tesla batteries. We have the, like a whole row of housing for our Tesla batteries. We do have a, diesel backup generator. Thank you, Cummins. But, you know, we don't have to use that that often. I guess the only time that they needed to use that grid was when um, there was a fire a few Mm -hmm. years back and that was it. But other than that, we reclaim that energy. And so we're pulling ourselves off of the electric grid because electricity here is really expensive. It's very expensive to live on the island. We switched primarily everything is over into the aluminum cans um, in our brewery. We do not um, There's nothing that's bottled uh, except for the only bottled one is still the Imperial Coconut Porter. Um, That's it. You know, those are the only bottles that we use. And the selection of the style of bottle is very specific. You know, he wants to preserve that and utilize the aluminum. And we have ball is close by, you know, and so we're the processes through our our brewery. We have a water reclamation. We um, the grain we give out to the farmers that give meat back to our, our restaurants and our kitchens and, you know, help us when we have um, parties and different elements. And, you know, it's a community process here. And for me to come on island and, you know, to be um, from, you know, non-native here, uh, I, I, I'm not trying to jump in and rewrite and redo anything. I want to assist and grow and show them that if you want to educate yourself, if you want to, you know, we have a lab we have full Full staff lab. Um, you know, we have all of these humans in HR and everything in the front of the house, and the back of the house. They want beer school, let's do that. If you want to, um, you know, learn more about catering, let's do that. You want to learn more about how to become a brewer, or how to process through different things, you want to learn packaging and packaging management and everything else, let's do that. You know, we have so many outlets and resources here on Island to teach all of these humans here. That they have a presence and they have a reason that they're here and we're, you know, there's, you know, we can bring that, those resources and and information to islands so that they have um, the ability to grow and um, become more educated and more diverse than the rest of, with the rest of us. So they don't feel like, oh, we're on an island and we're being left out. And you know, bringing scholarships and bringing more faces, um, you know, having uh, a presence for everybody is mm-hmm. what's important. And for me, it's walking in every day and knowing and seeing and feeling the love here, and that really pushes me every single day and comforts me when I miss my kids and I miss my loved ones and I miss everybody. I miss my dog. I can't wait to get him here. You know, I want to be able to have my comforts as well. But in the meantime, everyone has been amazing to make sure that I feel as welcomed as they are as, as, you know, here as well. So it's, it's been pretty fantastic in that realm.
0: First of all, I'm ready. I'm like, put my application in for Maui Brewing Company. It sounds like (laughs) an incredible place to work. And I, I love hearing that, like. Because you're not fighting so hard to just exist, you are able to flourish and to learn and to lift up other people. And that's just, I've known you for an hour and nine and a half minutes, but it warms, it makes my heart really happy for you. Cause like it's clear that you deserve, everyone deserves that, but you deserve that. Thank you. I just, there's so many more things I wanna ask you. And I'm certainly gonna be linking like, all the information about lifting Lucy in the show notes yeah. about like how people can get involved and donate or find resources through yeah y'all absolutely. because I was poking around the website earlier today and it's there's like so much amazing
1: information yeah. and resources yeah. and opportunities. We have them. a um a big event coming up. Um, other than you know we've mm-hmm. we've gotten some um, wonderful feedback from some of the um, sp- sponsorships. That are helping you know create our our bank accounts to be able to um, enlist the um, program, um, and we're headed to Asheville Beer Week um, at the end of the month, and we're oh. really excited because um, we have partnered with several different outlets and news will be dropping soon, but I can give you a few tidbits on it because I think by the time this airs, it will, most of the cats will be out of the bag, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I'm, I created a recipe um, that's going to be brewed um, with Salud and um, resident culture and burial. And it's going to be the first Lifting Lucy ginormous collaboration that the recipe um, came from me and I unfortunately won't be able to be at the actual brew day. I was hoping that I would be able to leave um, CBC and head down to Charlotte to brew with the team at at um, at Resident Culture, um, but maybe Trinice. Hopefully, once hopefully somebody will be able to get down there and get over to it. But the brew day is happening on May the sixth. Um, we have a team of warriors that are going to be there. It's going to be amazing and. Um, Linda and Amanda and Jess are just the most amazing humans that I've met during my journey. And to have this, um, happening is just so surreal for me, like so, so surreal. And then that beer will be released and debuted at Asheville Beer Week. Um, we're going to do a off topic panel with, um, burial and, um, hopefully some other amazing things and pop-ups. Um, there's talks of having a um, movie night with the screening of one pint and some other hopeful events that will happen during the whole week. And it's going to be fantastic. And this will be kind of like, um, not the coming out party for Lifting Lucy, but definitely the, the first of many, um, resourceful things that we can get around to and having this beer canned and portions of the profits will go to Lifting Lucy and the Scholarship Foundation and hopefully we'll be able to create um, a scholarship recipient to be able to go not hopefully you know this human will be able to one go to the beer um, brewing day itself but then also come in to Charlotte, get VIP, run around, and then, um, go out to Asheville and hang out with us and be on the panel with us and talk beer and, and talk about what it's like to be in this industry and be a part of it. And we want, um, more faces and more humans to be a part of this and, um, more Bywalk women. And like I said, you know, it's one thing to, um, Know that you're there, but to know and always just be there, and and to not feel like, oh, did you see that one? Did she she's mm-hmm. here, you know. Sure, I want I want that to be said of me because you're like fangirling me, and you're like, oh my God, Sarah Perez just walked in the door. I want to go talk to her, but I can't. And you know, sure, I want that. I want the shock and all of that. I don't want the shock <laughs> and all of, you know, something else. But we want right. to create um, more spaces and more places, and um, hopefully we will be able to. Um, um, have this be one of the first of many. And then we have a few other things um, in the works. Uh, the Fierce Beer that um, Maui Brewing Company brewed, we brew, they brew um, an international women's collaboration brew day every year at Maui Brewing with Kim. She's always done that. And Fierce is an acronym for females in every role can empower. That's what it is. <laughs> this year's beer, um, I started off when I came on scene, um, we were, it was already in the works. Like we are going to do International Women's Day. We are going to brew together. So they said, okay, well, what kind of beer are we going to brew this year? And so I put out a recipe that I've brewed quite a few times um, and – in Alaska primarily, and it's a beer that's near and dear to my heart. It has had other names in the past, um, but this year she's now being called Fierce and forever will be Fierce. Um, So it's a hibiscus saison. It's a high ABV. I know French saison yeast Yummy. from White Labs. So delicious. And you add hibiscus later. It's this really fun process. And the beer is fierce. She's 9.2%. I know. Okay. She's Glorious, like beautiful um, magenta hue. Um, carbonation is on point and perfect. And it was really awesome because I, I in the past have brewed this at smaller units and and smaller breweries and never really kind of honed in on all of the facts ran, behind her. Mm-hmm. And so this year it was really awesome to go from beginning to end, computerized, analyzed, and following her in the laboratory and doing my cell counts on her and doing dumps and all this extra stuff for the last 39 days, she was in tank and um, put her in the bright tank yesterday and finished carving her. And she's getting packaged today. I'm just like, it's amazing. Wow. I'm so excited that this is happening, but also the proceeds is going to lifting Lucy from the cells. So I'm really excited. I'm happy. And um, I'm happy that we're able to um, once again, start, The ball rolling and get Mm -hmm. things going, and I'm really excited to see the next ones because I'm in talks with some other very large breweries that are going to (laughs) that want to, you know, um, brew together and do some stuff, and I'm I can't wait, I can't wait to see what more is going to come because at the end of the day we're still making beer, and um, you don't always have to, you know, we do profit off of beer clearly, um, but your profits can go to good things Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it, it can be an educational source and it can be um, a sense of empowerment for others to understand what the meaning behind the recipe is and what the meaning behind using this ingredient is and how you can really parlay that into everyone's life and, um, you know, the day to day. Um, So uh, it's a story. It's a story. (laughs) There's a story behind every beer, I feel like.
0: So I'm excited
1: to continue to get to tell these stories and, and have all that because, um, it's going to be awesome.
0: Yeah. You're doing it all. And for the record, I am fangirling. It's happening, (laughs) Sarah. Wow. (laughs) If you could talk to Sarah Perez from five years ago right now, what would you want to say to her?
1: Stop allowing people to push you down. Mm.
0: And if you could like dial up your phone and chat with Sarah Perez five years from now, what do you think you'd (laughs) want to say to her?
1: You're not old. Keep going.
0: (laughs) You're not. Keep going. And then, you know, keep going. We you've shared so much, A, of all like just so generously about your entire journey, but specifically as a mom. And I'm so grateful for that. What do you what would you say to someone in our really in any industry, but of course, specifically in beer who, you know, feels like maybe they want to get into it or wants to grow in certain ways in their career, but feels like. They can't do that and be a mom.
1: Well, we're going to enlist the tribe active, Mm. (laughs) activate the tribe, uh, because, yes, you work a lot of long hours and you're at the brewery, you know, can be at the brewery for, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 hours at a time sometimes. Um, But you have to have the passion in the two main career fields that I've always had, um, besides educating humans it's a passion. Like I I wanted to heal people and I wanted to give them a better life and to understand their bodies. And that's why I wanted to be a doctor. I want, when I came into the beer world, it wasn't just because, oh, I love drinking beer and I love, you know, getting drunk or anything. Cause I don't ever drink to get drunk. I drink to understand and to learn and to um, remember them moments or read the can label and read the art who who was the artist? Who was the instrument pieces that were utilized in this? And so in order to do that, you have to have the passion and you have to understand those things. And so if someone really wants to get into this industry and they want to pull away from something else that they were in, then they need to make sure that they have the passion for it. Because if you don't have the passion, then it's just another job and it will fall away from you and you will not like it and you will not enjoy it. I wake up every day um throw in my Motrin and my Advil and or my (laughs) Motrin and my Tylenol and my baby aspirin every single day. I do my stretches. I've had back surgery. I have a titanium plate and everything in my back. I I, you know, I I should not have been able to do the things that I do um every single day. I this last week I counted on my, you know, thank you, iPhone watch, um, 77 trips up and down the brewery stairs, 77 times (laughs) in a week, you know, in a whole week. So it's, it's a lot. So you have to have passion. You have to have perseverance. You want to be able to do this. And it, and, If there's anyone out there that needs a pep talk or needs anything, I have no problem taking that time out of my day to um, talk to them or to help them or to babysit on a weekend. If you have to have the weekend shift, I have no problem doing that, but more than anything to educate them and to explain to them everything that goes on on a day-to-day life in a brewer's world or a packaging world or, you know, HR, you know, they're, they're all there to talk to you, but I, I would say, go for it. As long as you have the passion, Mm. if the passion leaves, then you need to find a new way to have a spark for that. Um, and, or if you can't go up and down the stairs 77 times in a week, (laughs) then you need to build your next adventure. And Mm. so for me, it's not managing others. It's training others. It's, um, getting involved in the R&D programs in our brewery. It's creating um, talks and, you know, going around marketing and things like that. So for me, I'm building a platform here. I'm building as many things that I could possibly get my hands into for the next five years, for the next 10 years, so that I am still in the industry and relevant and a part of things that is going to become, you know, who Sarah Perez is. And maybe, you know, that will... Tell over to other platforms for people because I cannot be a brewer forever. I could do it for a long time. You know, I've seen. Some, you know, maybe they'll lessen the steps for me. They'll bring the brewing down <laughs> to the floor level. Uh, I don't yeah. know, but they'll get one of those we're... like
0: stair things that you can. Like
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll just have a the, the escalator yeah. stair <laughs> chair for me. <laughs> Gremlins. That's all I can think. Yes. No. <laughs> so yeah, if they want to be a part of this industry and, and they need assistance. Absolutely. My social medias are open for a reason because mm. not because I want everyone, you know, it's, yeah, I, I do have to delete some things, it's but sure, it's open yeah. because I want others to, to be able to contact me and to ask me questions and to be there to know that it, it's an, it's an open door for me. Passion you have to have that passion. This isn't just a fly by night job. And right. you could tell when it is a fly by night job.
0: You have the passion, and thank you for sharing your passion with all of us and with me, and You're for welcome. opening your heart. Truly, before <laughs> ten a.m. your time—that's a feat in and of itself. So, Sarah Perez, thank you so much for being here. Let's let's quick fire, baby. Let's go. Okay. What is your the most overrated beer style in your opinion?
1: Um, hazy IPAs. <laughs> yep.
0: No arguments. Cake or pie.
1: Cake.
0: Ooh, I'm also team cake. We'll make shirts. <laughs> What's the most underrated beer style?
1: I think a saison, right now yeah. personally. I don't know a saison. Yeah,
0: yeah, a I true saison, think... right?
1: Like with the correct yeast and everything, and and the meaning behind it, like mm-hmm. real saison. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: To glass or not to glass?
1: Ooh, even though I'm drinking out of a can currently, which is hurting me a little bit it's always <laughs> to glass to glass
0: proper glassware she's it. she's got the education Oof, people like pinky up
1: proper glassware
0: come on beer clean we just missed beer clean glass day happy beer clean glass day to you happy yes, belated that's right. thank you <laughs> yeah um well i don't know how it doesn't seem like you have a lot of time on your hands but what's the last show that you binged and loved
1: oh <laughs> i actually have insomnia lately so
0: Ugh.
1: um I just finished all four seasons and it's going to sound terrible. Of the Mayans,
0: I actually don't know that, but I don't support the insomnia, but I support a good, like, blow through binge watch. Yeah, yeah. What is your desert island beer?
1: Sierra Nevada,
0: yeah, OG. Yeah, Mm.
1: I I feel like I had a lot of that in my garbage can during
0: yeah COVID. that's that's and also it's like wherever you go i'm i don't know how it is like on maui but at least where i am any grocery store any bodega is gonna have it yeah. Any most bars are gonna have it in a bottle like it's safe it's yeah. you know it's gonna be good yeah consistency Ugh. amen Excellence. now i want one if you could get on a plane right now and go anywhere where would you go
1: oddly enough to another beach I I wouldn't mind being in Fort Lauderdale I loved that town I love that city yeah I loved being there
0: well Sarah I thank you again I can't thank you enough (laughs) for taking the time to talk to me for like everything you shared and I'm really so excited to share this episode with people because if if they are half as moved as I am then like I've done my job. So will you let's raise our our juices and our (laughs) non-alcoholic sores brews and will you take us out with a toast? Any Uh. kind of toast.
1: (laughs) Cheers to the beers.
0: Cheers to the beers. Beer friends, trust me when I say that talking to Sarah even via Zoom. I felt like I was in a warm maternal hug. I love how much Sarah emphasizes finding your tribe, as she calls it, and leaning on that team of humans for support in parenthood, career, and just life. It was so incredible to hear about the awakening of Sarah Perez as she beams it. Doesn't that sound like an epic film you'd want to watch? I mean, it has everything. Our protagonist, Sarah Perez, learns to step into her own power and goes where she's valued. We spoke a few weeks back, but trust that I will be keeping you all updated on Instagram on the collab that Sarah and Lifting Lucy are doing with Resident Culture and Barry. In the meantime, I've linked both Sarah's Instagram and Lifting Lucy's Instagram and website so you can keep up to date on there as well. I want to thank Sarah again for taking the time to talk to me at such an early hour. She is this brilliant at 7am, people. I need to get on her level. Thank you, as always, to Megan Bagala for our groovy music and to Sabrina Rain at the Hoppia Shop for our graphic. Follow her. Her stuff is amazing. Speaking of following, go ahead. Here's a reminder to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Brews with Broads. I post some silly, silly stuff on there, okay? I will be back in two weeks with another conversation with a wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous human in our industry. I will talk to you then. Love you so much, beer friends. Bye.